This week's episode is brought to you by BitRise. BitRise is a continuous integration and delivery service for your mobile apps. They support building, testing, and deploying for iOS, Android, Xamarin, or any hybrid platform. They have more than 170 open source integrations, which can be used to customize your workflows for different scenarios, and even have a CLI to run those same exact workflows locally to reproduce and debug errors, or just experiment. So head to bitrise.io to learn more and sign up today. Frank, something that we don't talk about too often on this podcast and something that has actually come to light more often as I've been talking to developers recently at Build and with some of the new Xamarin Forms improvement is around how can we create better accessible applications Yeah. And surprisingly, there's tons packed into the platforms themselves. You know, we've made it 90-something episodes, and we haven't properly discussed this. It's kind of a failing, because all our operating systems give us tools to make our apps more inclusive. Yet, (laughs) maybe we're not always good at using all those tools. Yeah, I, I think of it almost as when I choose to either translate an application or not translate an application. It's time, it's energy. Am I getting it right? Uh, How do I test it? I was at Google I.O. last year and I went to an entire session on building uh, accessible applications and some of the new tools they were building into Android. And it it actually blew my mind a little bit. And even if you just uh, turn off your phone into, not even turn off, but there's like a there's like nothing on the screen. Uh-huh. Or I've recently put my entire phone in monochrome mode. You know, my, mm. my, my father's colorblind, for instance. And growing up in that, it was always interesting. Because as a kid, I'm just like, oh, what's that? Or what's, uh-huh. what shirt am I wearing? And you grow up and you're like, oh, that's not funny at, at all. You know? <laughs> well, uh, but, but actually seeing it, I use my applications completely different. Yes, absolutely. And this is a, just a good experiment to run on your own. Um, on iOS, I put it into voiceover mode. And I just shut my eyes. And can I spend 30 minutes on this device with my eyes shut? And you know what? I last about five seconds, get frustrated, try again, try again, try again. But I immediately realize what apps are good and which apps are not. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's surprising because there is so much built in. And I feel as if even Xamarin Forms, which you talk about often, has added a lot of new accessibility APIs. And mm-hmm. I was talking with Miguel uh, at Build, and we were talking about monotouch.dialog. And... And someone was like, yeah, that thing's not accessible at all. You can't oh, set that easy. He's like, I'll, I'll expose it to you. He's yeah. like, that'll take, it's like, mm-hmm. I'll just set it. And then they were like, well, what? There's a, there's testability, this, and then right to left support. And there's all these other yeah. things that we think about as developers. So inclusiveness, inclusiveness yeah. to, to everyone in the world. And uh, we're not experts on this, no. which is why Far we, from. we brought um, a legend, actually, in the industry uh, I remember the first time I was introduced to him uh, at Bill. Maybe it was two years ago, I want to say. Uh, it was great. And I've run into him and the team that he works with many times uh, down in, in San Francisco and in, in Redmond. It's always a joy and a pleasure. Uh, I am talking about the man, the myth, the legend, the legend uh, Sakib Sheikh. Uh, and if you don't know who he is, uh, he has years upon years, decades in the industry of building software uh, with a focus in artificial intelligence and inclusive design, and currently is at Microsoft uh, as a software engineer, but leads uh, as a tech lead for the Seeing AI application. Awesome. Yeah. So, Sakib, thank you so much for being here. My goodness, that's quite the introduction. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You've earned it. (laughs) Can you first tell us a little bit about 
the seeing AI application. I think that maybe where people know uh, you from the most and the application, because I always use it as a reference app of look at this not only amazing Xamarin app, but look at how technology is changing people's lives. I, I follow you on Twitter and I see retweets of other um, these stories and I love that we can build technology that can change lives. So can you tell us a little bit how it came about and, and what your role is? For sure. So seeing AI like the, is a project to see how can we use artificial intelligence to help people who are blind or visually impaired to do even more. And in its current form, it's an iOS app a talking camera app, we call it, because you can just hold up your phone, take a picture, or actually just look around in real time, and it gives you information about your environment. And that's a project that I, I started when I was sort of dabbling with all AI quite a number of years ago. And then I found some awesome colleagues in Silicon Valley, and it's just grown and then became all of our day jobs, and it's been <laughs> quite the journey. So it, you were getting into AI in the beginning, though. What were you first experimenting with? Was this your first experiment, or were you playing around with other things, too? So I did um, study AI when I was at college ah. in my master's. So gotcha. I had a background. But then there was sort of a, a time around, I don't know, 2014, when I was looking around Microsoft. It was the first Microsoft hackathon, in fact. We have these huge hackathons with tens of thousands of employees taking part. And I was like, okay, for this first hackathon, I want to do something really big, not just another web app that plots something, you know, on a map or something like that. So I thought, okay, what's the app I've always wanted to make? And it really was this idea that I've had since I was a kid of, you know, maybe a pair of glasses that you look around and a little voice whispering in your ear, all a bit sci-fi. But that was the perfect time because 2014, started to see that the beginning of computer vision libraries, object detection was just the very beginning of something. And then the next year, when I teamed up with the guys in Silicon Valley, the technology in that year came along a, um, a long way. And then the next year, even more and even more. And it's incredible how fast um, computer vision is coming along with deep learning and so forth. Did you anticipate that or were you just like, this will be a cool demo and maybe in 20 years it'll work? Or were you thinking in two years we can make this a product? Or actually, no, no longer than that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, I, I didn't really have an idea about timing. It was just, yeah. let's see what's possible today. And mm -hmm. But I, I, I never imagined it to be quite as quick as ours ended up being. Well, it's obviously a very good idea. <laughs> but then we still have a long way to go as well, I should say that. I, I, I want to be able to walk around my apartment with your app <laughs> with my eyes shut. That's my goal someday is to do that. I think it's brilliant. What, um, it, it's got so many features. Should we start with what was the first feature that you had this app doing? I think maybe the first, I can't remember that very first. It might have been something as simple, just the barcode scanning or something, and OCR and those very basic things. And face recognition, I think, came next. But maybe the biggest one, the first one to have a giant impact is when we teamed up with a researcher who was working on the image captioning, where they detect the objects in an image, but then go one step beyond that and put it into a sentence. That's fantastic. I think I've read that paper. Yeah. So most networks out there, they're just trying to identify the dominant object and they'll just say cat. But this one will say brown cat in the living room, something along those lines. Exactly. And even the relationship between objects like maybe a, um, 
an open laptop on a table. Mm-hmm. So there's that, you know, the relation between the objects as well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time I pulled it out and I, and I, I was under the assumption that when I took a, a, this screenshot and this, and this photo of the computer, it was going to say computer. Computer. But it, said, <laughs> it said, it said like gray computer sitting on a desk. Yeah. And I was like, that's what it is. <laughs> and I was, I was, I was. I was really impressed because in my mind, that is what I was actually seeing. Right. Not just computer floating in space. Exactly. (laughs) It wasn't this, it wasn't just like, oh, image detection piece of software of like hot dog or not. That's not going to help anyone. I was like, that literally is in the name of the app, seeing AI, I'm seeing it. So is it an app that, it it sounds like it's an app that you wanted for yourself, but uh, it seems to have gone so everyone can use it. Are there some amazing stories that you can share? Of, of oh, so many. I think the coolest thing about launching any product, especially consumer products, is seeing the way that people use it. And, you know, if you look at the telemetry, there have been millions of tasks completed with the app. And But then, like, the individual emails, like, there's a teacher in the UK who... You know, without us telling him or anything, because it can do face recognition, he trained it on the students in his class and he mounted it, uh, mounted a phone looking towards the door. And then he he linked a braille display to his phone. Oh. So, like, <laughs> a bit of a, you know, hacker in that yeah. sort of heart, it seems. <laughs> and so you can silently hear who's walking through his I door. I love it. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. And he did it on his own. Just, on his own, yeah, yeah. Just put a phone up there, got uh-huh, some kind uh-huh. of connection. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. Cool. It's a building block then. Yeah. And then there's a guy, maybe the most surprising one was um, a guy in Puerto Rico after the hurricanes there. And he wrote us an email saying, hey, I've been using Seeing AI to get around after the hurricanes. I'm like, excuse me, um, <laughs> yeah. we don't do navigation. Well, what are you doing? Yeah. But he's like, actually, no, because I know that the paths are going to be clear. So he uses the scene descriptions. And it doesn't matter if it's accurate. It might say there's a dog in the way. It might say there's <laughs> a bench in the way. But the point being, if there's something in the way, there's probably a fallen tree or some chaos ahead. Uh-huh. Otherwise, there's an empty path. So it doesn't matter if it thinks the tree is a dog? (laughs) Well, you know, with reason. I don't think he exactly said that, but yeah, Yeah. like it doesn't actually matter. And then Uh I remember he said that the description out of his window was always a bridge over a lake. And one day he took the photo and it just said a lake. And he's Uh like, and yes, the bridge had flown away. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, I never would have guessed at that. No, so... Yeah, so so many of these uh, very personal, touching stories that we get. And you're like, when you release the handwriting recognition, to me, that was, you know, interesting. But to me, I don't really come across that much handwriting. True that. But then we, it was around Christmas and everyone was like, wow, I'm reading greeting cards for the first Uh time in years. And people were like, I can now read my kids' homework. And someone was even like, I can read a letter that was written uh, to me before, like a love letter before I lost my sight. And I, was like, I didn't know the handwriting cool. was that good, to be honest. It's I wonder if I can do my terrible handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> I think the interesting thing that a lot of people miss, when, when machine learning or AI practitioners um, evaluate their models, they have the precision and the recall, and mm-hmm. it's all like, oh, this percentage good, and you have these competitions. And, yeah. and then what you realize actually is, for someone who is blind, often... 
it doesn't need to be 90-some percent accurate because mm. you're in the context. You know what's around you. They're aware. And yeah, a <laughs> bit like that example of, you know, the something's in the way. Mm-hmm. You have your own awareness and you can guess what it's supposed to be a bit more. Yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm going for 80% correctness <laughs> now. <laughs> you just really relieved my job. So I won't ask you for your full analytics, but what are the most popular features? Obviously, that handwriting sounds awesome, but there's not much handwriting out there anymore, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> I think the real-time OCR, we call it short text channel. We have different channels for different tasks. So the yeah. instant OCR is uh, definitely the most used because mm-hmm. you just hold it up over something and it starts reading whether that's right. like sorting out your mail in the morning or nice, as yeah. I was this morning trying to figure out which of the bottles in the hotel was the shampoo versus the moisturizer. Oh, good one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could go very wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, never even considered that yeah. use case. <laughs> I think for the first time I used the Russian translators that tried to do um, a transliteration, but it never occurred to me, just read it to me, much easier. Yeah, I don't even need to read it. <laughs> it's interesting talking about the 80% because when we were in Taiwan recently, I don't know any simplified Chinese at all, yeah. and we would go into different areas of Taiwan and we would pull out our the Microsoft translator. I mean, you could take a photo and it would to me, it was that magical moment of like, I, I don't know anything about Chinese, the language at all. And it, it really was pretty rough, but I could see <laughs> this, was, this was beef or this was pork. And, and, it, and it gave me at least some of that feeling in a, different, in a very different way, obviously. But it gave me a, a chance to be like, oh, I can, I can make my way in this very unknown landscape to me. So in a very different way, like, it's really interesting to see how software can can really enable us to do things that might have been very uncomfortable or or hard decisions or something that you couldn't you didn't you had to guess before. So and totally, and if I can sort of geek out for a moment, please. yes, please. <laughs> this is sort of my big vision for the future: is that Alex. everyone has a personal agent, like because everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses, things they can do and can't do and like for me that's all about my little agent you know, like male friend on my shoulder i can imagine uh-huh. it it's gonna be mon- building a model of the world around me based on vision uh, amongst other things and telling me the things i don't know either because i asked a question or proactively because it knows the context and my habits <laughs> and like and then for someone who's traveling to taiwan then you know your little friend on your shoulder would be building a little model of the world, but it would be telling you something completely different. Yeah. And you, you said sci-fi in the beginning, and this all sounds sci-fi, but the scary thing is this is all almost doable these days. Yeah, like Isn't the that building weird? blocks are coming together, and this yeah. is some years away for sure, sure, but you can imagine the path there now. Yeah, before it was vague, but we have a path. That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about a little bit of the core underlying technology of how seeing AI even works? Uh, as far as doing all of this on device, is there like Azure integration? Like, w- w- can you? That's always been my interest too. Yeah. Is what's running on the device? What's up on the cloud? Oh, I'm, the... I'm curious how you decide. What At a high runs level, where. Where, you yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it's funny just how much that's changed, even in the mm. you know three years or so since this was a side project. Because in the beginning, it was all about um, running everything in the cloud. Because okay. deep learning meant the cloud. But now, so much can be done on device. So we like to run as much as possible on device because you get a much nicer user experience in that you can 
be more real time and you could also filter information and there, there's a lot more power there. So like the face recognition on device means that we can just hold up the phone and as soon as we see someone yeah. within you know, whatever, 100, 200 milliseconds, it's saying the name. But then there are some things like that image captioning where there's no way that's, uh, I don't know how big the model is, but it's hundreds of megs it's or even big. gigs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, and you're not running that on a phone. <laughs> so that, that's our philosophy is as much as possible on device, the rest in the cloud. Yeah, is there a struggle there that you want to kind of create these really rich models or generate them, but then there's also size restrictions? I know Frank and I, we were talking about this of, of oh, we, we need to embed in a model yeah. and a good model can be big. It's like, <laughs> yeah. how, how does the team deal with that? Or is it that you're, gen are you generating models on the fly? So, uh, no, not on the fly. Um, we train in the cloud and then run on, uh, preferably on device or on the edge as the cool kids call yeah, it now. Yeah, that's on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, okay, so if the model's too big, so this is definitely a challenge and we are led by the user experience we want to create. And it's quite possible sometimes you can get away with like a two megabyte model or three megabyte model, like if it's a very specialized Hot model. Hot dog or not would probably. Hot dog or not. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then there are some where you want to run a lot of computation on the phone. And then sometimes you might end up with the same model, a smaller version on device and a bigger version in the cloud. And oh, interesting. You'll fall back. Yeah, depending if you want that nice real-time experience versus in a different part of the app, if you think the user's not going to mind waiting around a few seconds. Mm -hmm. I, I'm actually really curious about how your team works in its data collection, because you're trying to solve a global inclusive problem, which means you want unbiased data from all over the world, every culture, everything. Mm -hmm. How in the world do you <laughs> deal with all the data you need to find and collect and deal with? Um, Different levels to that. So yeah. right now, actually, we don't collect any of the data oh, good. from our users <laughs> yeah. because we want to be very careful about yeah. that. We've always been thinking about different ways of like a donate to science type program, but that's not something we do today. Yeah. Um, so we yeah. actually then we actually have special apps uh, which we give to either our employee volunteers mm -hmm. or to um, people whose job it is to actually go and gather images and label them. Well, oh, I, I want that job. I, 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 I would like to do this. Yeah, where, can we sign up? I, well, yeah, we, have, we, have, we have loads of volunteers all around the what? company. Oh, I totally want to photo, so, Yeah, we should, we, we should make that public. Get yeah. you on board. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to Heather about this, my, my girlfriend. I was, I was telling her about, or she was telling me about, I think it was either Google or, or Open Map or someone where you could help map. Like if yeah. you're traveling a lot, you can help map and make yeah. maps yeah. better. But honestly, we travel so much. I'm on, you know, I'm on the road like 80% of the year. We take all these photos. I would love the ability oh, yeah. to so the unique experiences, unique things that you don't see just walking around Seattle or London be, or something yeah. like that. That'd this be a, amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> this is what I, it and, does yeah. sometimes lead to funny, um, amusing little stories. Like uh, my colleague Anarud, he's like the master of taking photos. And so... We need to recognize barcodes. So off he goes around Walmart. <laughs> Find every barcode. <laughs> <laughs> around the grocery store, taking photos, different angles, different lightings. And then, yeah. you know, saying we, we recognize currency. So off he drives to the airport to buy every currency. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's crazy and great. Data like collection. It. It's yes. hard, but yeah, it could be fun too, I guess. Uh -huh. <laughs> A 
let's take a very short break and thank our amazing sponsor, SyncFusion. SyncFusion has everything that developers need when they're building web and desktop or mobile applications. From charts, grids, schedulers, diagrams, and advanced gauges, docking, and ribbons, they have every single component that you could possibly want. Whether you're developing for the web, mobile, or desktop, they most likely support your platform. ASP.NET, Angular, React, they got you covered. Xamarin, UWP, JavaScript, mobile apps, you're covered. Desktop, they have all the great WPF and WinForm controls you possibly need. Now, another thing that I love is their file format support. For all these platforms, they support Excel, PDF, Word, and PowerPoint for rendering and editing. It's simply amazing. It's the easiest way to do PDF rendering on any platform. So all you have to do to go and learn more is go to syncfusion.com slash mergeconflict. That's syncfusion.com slash mergeconflict. And thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this episode of Merge Conflict. Now back to the show. So I wanted to talk a little bit about just inclusive design for developers. It really actually started to click for me when I saw you present, I believe it was last year's build. That's right, yes. Uh, when you just showed off how you use Visual Studio as a person who is blind uh, to be productive on a day-to-day -day basis and what Visual Studio is doing. So I was interested, there's a lot of topics to go into oh, here, yeah. just about you know, not only just desktop versus mobile versus all these all these things, but at a high level, maybe I would be really interested to you is like, what is just one thing that developers can help with? Because I know we're not doing enough to just help with just building inclusive applications. So I guess the, the bigger answer, come back to developers in just a moment, is this whole idea of inclusive design. And Microsoft has a great website about inclusive design. But the idea is that if you identify who are the people you are excluding because of your natural biases, and then you go and find that person or those people and figure out ways to solve their problems, then you're going to make it easier for everyone. Just because in this day of the internet, everyone is a little bit different and your audience is much more diverse than you probably imagine. And in terms of technically how I use the computer or what a developer could do, I use a screen reader, whether that's voiceover on the iPhone or talkback on Android or Narrator or one of the commercial ones on Windows. So in each case, it's a program that is monitoring your input via touchscreen or keyboard. Can't use a mouse, really. Um, and giving you information back via Braille or speech. And how that works under the hood, that's what the developers care about, right, is there are all these APIs that I would encourage people, take a moment to think your UI is not a colorful rectangle. Because to me, it's 3D, and I don't mean like 3D printed sense, I mean every, it's the semantics. So a button doesn't just look like a button, there is all this semantic metadata about a button. And yeah, you can make a rectangle and make it highlight when you click it, but every OS has these native controls and these APIs that you can say, this is a button, or this is a checkbox, and now it's checked, and now it's not checked. And luckily, you get that for free unless you do something a bit custom. <laughs> Got it. So, sorry, that's a bit of a long answer, but... So is yeah. it kind of sticking to the core APIs, or is it... Is it what I'm interested in is, is, I know there's the APIs, but even for me getting in, is it... Is it as simple as just setting accessibility IDs and like calling it a is day? Is that enough? Is that enough? <laughs> That's or? the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's the biggest. Yes. Okay. If okay. you, if there's any one thing I could say people to do mm -hmm. is label all your image buttons. Oh that yes, whenever, the image ones. Whenever there's an image, <laughs> make some alt text. 
um, and every platform has a way, and especially if it's a button, I can like swipe through and I'll go button, button, button. So that can just make the difference between that being not usable and usable. And then sort of beyond that, like I was saying, it's about the semantics. So um, there's a thing called UI automation on Windows or iOS. You can set the accessibility um, traits, they're called, to say that this is a selectable thing and it's now selected or this is a... Um, I'm blanking, but you know, there's... Scroll, what do you do for a scroll? Is that represented in that data? It must be, yeah. but again, hopefully, if you're using a standard scroll view, you'd get much It'll of that for it. free. Right, good, yeah. yeah. So, again, on any of these, if you're using the out-of-the-box controls, except for labeling your images, a lot of things will come for free. Mm -hmm. it, it's interesting, because I also hate when people don't label images, mm -hmm. uh -huh. especially on Android. Often in the toolbar, there'll be all these images, and it was very standard that you would always set just text, even if it's just an image. Yeah. And you could long press. This is what I used to do and still do. I would long press on an image, and I expect a little toast to come up to tell me what oh, it is. That was oh, nice. OS-wide? It was OS-wide. It was okay. very standard. And nowadays, even Google doesn't seem to be doing that. And uh. it really upsets me because how am I supposed to know what your designer meant by this icon. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you take it a step further, what if you can't even see the icon? It really is mind-blowing to mm -hmm. me of such a little, it's just a small thing to, yeah. to do that, that if it upsets me, I, I couldn't yeah. even imagine how much it's upsetting to you. <laughs> so what happens in those cases? Have you... Uh, um, so there are ways to label buttons, but I kind of, I'm a bit lazy like that. Like I'm not sure that I've ever done that on mm -hmm. an app. I might just actually just close it and look for another. Ah, see, that's what I was curious. That's what what, I was what curious is about. that breaking point? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think on mobile, there are so many options and alternatives. Uh -huh. I just tend to find the ones which work particularly well. So there's a competitive advantage. Yes. <laughs> Inclusiveness <laughs> is a competitive advantage. I'm already thinking sure. here, my scoreboard app, which is very simplistic. It's, we made it for playing Quirkle, which is a board game, and, and uh, just to keep score. So it's really simplistic. It's like, this uh, player one, you enter the name of James and, yeah. and, uh, and Frank, and you up say button. up button and down button. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, and this was made in Xamarin Forms. And now we've had all these accessibilities. Like, literally tonight, I'm going to go home, upgrade uh -huh. Forms, to set all my things. Because, again, it was one of these things like, I built this app in a day. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I shouldn't have built that app in a day <laughs> well, and thought about it a little bit more. Right? Don't brag about that. <laughs> yeah, so. but. Do you think that there's any benefit uh, to someone like me who's not used used to using screen readers to switch to a screen reader and try that mode, it is quite a bit of a learning curve for someone who's not practiced at it. Do you think it's a worthwhile exercise or am I just being a fool? <laughs> no, I think, pun intended, it's an eye-opening experience. Uh, <laughs> in the sense that it is. I think building that empathy is always valuable. And mm -hmm. actually, actually, I think you know people might find times when they would prefer to interact that way you do get used to it don't you i am sorry yeah that was a terrible question but no. <laughs> i get used to no. it and it's enjoyable in some yeah and my wife you know she started using voiceover on the iphone for uh, different things like um she likes it that when you're you don't accidentally touch anything anymore because yes. it requires exp um, explicit action and she even likes typing and hearing the conf it uh, confirms every time you press a key mm -hmm, and she mm -hmm. kind of enjoys that and a few other yeah oh and the emoji she always sends it on to because it has a what description for every emoji on the yeah okay it's huh. a smiling face or yeah yeah all the more <laughs> weird ones or like all the fruit she's like i don't know i want to find the <laughs> pineapple <laughs> emoji or <laughs> exactly yeah okay 
Yeah, my favorite on the emojis, like, we'll, me and Heather will sit there and we'll send emojis back and forth and we'll play guess the emoji because I have Android <laughs> and she has iOS. Oh, funny. And often they're very <laughs> different and we're like, oh, I didn't even know. Like, what is that? Yeah. But the Unicode, I wonder if they're all using the Unicode name. So I wonder if the description is so the same, same across. That's, that could be. Hmm. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, they always got to be different, don't they? Maybe. But again, <laughs> kudos to Apple for labeling all of those. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, could could we go back to the Braille keyboard? I'm sorry. It's, it's just such a curiosity for someone like me. Um, how does that work? Is it actually a touch sensation? Is it voiceover? Yeah, so there's different two different things. So you can have a Bluetooth peripheral, oh, nice. which has um, pins that pop up and down. Beautiful. Yeah. So to read the Braille and keys to type in Braille. Because okay. each Braille letter is six dots. So you can type with six fingers. But then what Apple introduced a few years ago is the ability to type, it's built into voiceover, and the ability to type using your six fingers. Wow. And then I can type as fast, and maybe even faster than most sighted people using the normal keyboard. Is that one hand, or is that two hands? Two hands. Yeah. So you kind of hold the phone weirdly between <laughs> your two little fingers and your two thumbs okay. on the corners, uh-huh. and then that leaves your... All the arrest. The, the three <laughs> little ones on each, to make the dots on each hand, yeah. Oh, that's wow. fun. I'm going to have to practice this. <laughs> now, is there haptic feedback that you're getting during the, the Braille typing? No, actually, uh, not in the Braille keyboard. Okay. Um, you're just hearing what it is. Someday, enters. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Got, it. Got it. So it's almost muscle memory that if you know Braille and you're getting some feedback, at least sounds like some. Yes. That you got it. Yeah, because uh, I've seen you use it. And I was telling Frank, I was like, yeah, you, we were sitting and having coffee. And, and I think you were, you were bringing up the Braille keyboard. And I was like, this is the most interesting. Yeah. Just, I mean, I, I've never, I had never seen it before. And it's so interesting. It's built right in and it blew my mind I, I, that I was like, I wish I knew Braille. Because <laughs> I, 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 I am used to seeing Braille everywhere. In mm-hmm. fact, on campus, uh, I'll talk a little bit about Microsoft story. It was really interesting. We redid Building 25 recently. It was very zero emissions. But what they did is they did a very careful job of labeling absolutely everything. And everything also had Braille on it. So now nice. when you go to the um, the soda cooler mm-hmm. every single soda uh, just on the on mm-hmm. the, where you open it has what it is and and everything on the sugar on everything I was Come like all across everywhere yeah. throughout the entire and nice. I, they're rolling it to, out through the entire campus I was like these are some good solid steps mm-hmm. yeah and I, I was very even I I was like I don't know what that drink is <laughs> so, and all these years in elevators I really should yeah. know at least the numbers at this point yeah <laughs> Uh, so I, I saw there was an announcement um, for the hearing impaired, too, where we're trying to do sign language um, with neural networks. Have you been involved with any kind of any any sign language work? Along uh, no, lines? not really. Not on okay. that particular project. Yeah. I, I just see it as the next feature of I want to be able to um, understand what someone's saying with sign language. Through yeah, the that's app. really interesting. And sign language actually... It's not just about your hands. It's also about your whole body oh boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. gestures. Um, so it's interesting. Even though we've got hand tracking, I wonder what it would take to be able to do that whole face and body understanding. I do too. It, it seems like a nice worthwhile problem though. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great thing. There are scientists working on each of these problems and mm-hmm. hopefully over time we'll be able to add more and more tools to, uh, to help people. Yeah. What hardware are you looking forward to on our phones or our computers that can help all this? I'm thinking um, the new iPhones have kind of a depth camera. It's a terrible depth camera, but they fake depth and they can do some kind of depth. And it's pointing the wrong way. 
I know. <laughs> um, are you looking forward to micro connects on the phones? Do we not need that? Can we do it all with imagery? Or You can do a lot with vision. Um, yeah. I think better access to stereo cameras would be kind of awesome. So you can build a sense of depth that way. So or they do help in this case? I don't think you have enough programmatic access to them right now. Oh, you can hit both cameras. It's pretty nice, I think. Okay, yeah. uh, it'd be nice if it helped you stitch together. We haven't really looked much at okay, that. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, yes, um, a Connect-type depth camera would be awesome. Um, better haptics would be cool. Haptics, I think yeah. that's come a long way in the past, sort of, since iPhone 7. Mm -hmm. Apple, that was sort of a big leap that Apple made there. But I wonder how far we can take that. It does feel like it can get better. Yeah, I think what they can put a dot vaguely somewhere on the screen, but nowhere near Braille or anything like that. <laughs> exactly. But at some point, you have to think that, you know, instead of just having the motor buzz the whole phone, they'll be able to have these psychological tricks to make you feel like you're <laughs> touching more things. Like just to think about that home button. Yeah. You know, my brain knows that it's... Not a button, but it very much feels like one. <laughs> Doesn't it? It's yeah, creepy. It <laughs> and when my touchpad stops clicking, it's not clicking at all, but it really is a sensation of clicking. So, yes. yeah, there's so much work there. Are, are there any other apps that you've used, I mean, desktop or mobile, that you're like, wow, they really got it right, that someone like mm. me could go home and download and put it in this mode and be like, I love this? Oh, my goodness, I have to think through all the apps on my phone. <laughs> The nice thing about mobile apps is they are so much simpler. And oh, nice. yeah. I'm just thinking, like even the ones like Facebook, they are pretty okay. Okay. Um, or many games. I guess what are the surprising ones? There were some games which were totally accessible. Oh, I But also thinking. visual. Mm. Like I remember there's a game called King's Corner and one <laughs> called, what was it called? Um lost cities or something okay, like that yeah, yeah. these sort of card games that end up actually being and that was i never really had that before the iphone first came out was well iphone 3 was the first accessible one mm. and i guess another interesting app which maybe people wouldn't use but there's a new keyboard called flick type okay and that is a keyboard meant for blind people where you can tap roughly where on the screen you think the qwerty letter would be uh -huh. And then when you swipe right, it all, um, uses a language model and word prediction yeah. to complete the word. And it's remarkable Perfect. how accurate it is. But that shows that you can sort of come up with these new user experiences, which are <laughs> obvious once you've seen it. But I might steal effective. that for programming. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a better IntelliSense. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it's interesting you talk about games as well. I was playing yeah. this, this game uh, on my Switch, which is also on, on mobile called 12 orbits and the idea is that you can play 12 people in this little little dot that's flying across the screen and the developer as a single developer he put in a uh, it's all about really colors okay. which it's really hard yeah. to see colors <laughs> if sure. you're colorblind for instance so he actually programmed in a colorblind mode mm -hmm. to help anyone with just the the you know you make those a lot more contrast because right. you can see the different shades of colors or even certain tints. So I thought that was something that's like oh that is something little that uh, mm -hmm. that he just decided to put in that he didn't have to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was a nice touch. So how have games been? Um, are any games playable? Most are not playable. Well, as I say, since this sort of app revolution, mm. and there are, there are now 
more games. I used to in, in download every single accessible game. Yeah. But now there are so many that that's okay. not possible, which is a very good yeah. state to be in. <laughs> and some of them are like audio games where they're building a 3D environment around you that you move through. Nice. And then some, are, the, the, those are always the most impressive. And then there's even, there's one called Stem Stumper, which is a very silly little maze game. But that was very interesting in the way that it worked with voiceover. And you had a very visual game that was also fully accessible. So, nice. yeah, yeah, there are many games to choose from. I'm not much of a gamer, but yeah. <laughs> all right. Is there any other specific questions you have? I'm pretty sure I could go all day, all day. picking his brain, but <laughs> I'll put you out of your misery. Well, there has been one question that we've been asking every single uh, person that we interview, uh, which is what library or project out there is not getting enough attention that developers should be looking at and, and why? Wow. Um, so my broader team, I'm in the sort of computer vision group, does the customvision.ai, which I'm yes. pretty sure you've mentioned with we your love it. hot dog or not project. <laughs> but then Jim Bennett did an amazing article series where he was um, labeling his daughter's toys because oh. they all had their own names. That was a very cute scenario. Yeah. But as a part of that, he developed a, a plugin called, I think it's on-device machine learning. And that's kind of cool because from customvision.ai, you can do the training by uploading your photos. And then you can download a CoreML or TensorFlow model. And mm-hmm. that, But Jim's um, library makes it very easy to integrate that into a Xamarin app. So that's pretty cool. That's very nice. Yeah, that goes along with the data collection of maybe you don't want to upload everyone's photo because they haven't opted in. But yeah. if they opt in and want to help make the app better, better. that's yeah. an Or build awesome your own technique. version of it. Yeah. And- and yeah, definitely, I love abstracting because now we have what .NET M- M- machine learning. Oh my god, we have so many now. Windows ML, <laughs> Core ML, TensorFlow models, yeah. a whole bunch of stuff to worry Cross about. Cross Sharp, TensorFlow yeah. Sharp, all, the, all, all of the things. Yeah. Well, Sakib, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, this was enlightening. Enlightening. And <laughs> makes me want to go. It's it's kind of fun because whenever I learn about just new fun anythings because and, and how it can apply and help make my software better for everyone it's like i want to go run home and just i know update all my software <laughs> i so. gotta check every one of those labels i gotta make sure that everything that's supposed to be a button is a button <laughs> oh no thank you it's been it's been fun and like i said i've been listening to the show since episode one and it <gasps> makes my monday mornings quite oh. fun on the way to work oh thank awesome. you <laughs> well where can people find you on the internet um easiest way is probably twitter i'm sakibs s-a-q-i-b-s or you can email me via sakibshake.com awesome yeah. perfect beautiful well thanks again um well of course you can find us everywhere on the internet at merge conflict fm on twitter at merge conflict.fm Feel free to email us, leave comments, uh, all of everything that Sakib talked about today. I'll put in the show notes below. So all the great libraries, all the seeing AI. Just do it. If you have an iPhone, literally you go and download it. It'll <laughs> blow your mind. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, so I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, this has been Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.